Welcome to the Cheer.fm podcast, Ask Salt Spring Answered. After many Ask Salt Spring events, we sit down in our studio with Gail Baker's guests and review some of the key points discussed. Welcome to episode 5, where Damien Inwood sits down with Adam Olson again, but this time looking at housing issues in the second part of a two-part series from Ask Salt Spring Answered. Okay, I'm here with uh, Adam Olson, our MLA for North Saanich and the Islands. And um, today's Ask Salt Spring session featured a conversation mainly around housing. And um, Adam, maybe you can just tell me what uh, what your main viewpoint was on short-term vacation rentals and how are we going to deal with them and... Uh, is it is the idea to limit the number of short-term vacation rentals or to turn short-term vacation rentals into full-time rental housing? Well, I think to start, uh, it is to get a sense of uh, the, the call that the BC Green Caucus made uh, earlier this week was uh, to get a sense of the scale and the scope of the issue is. We've heard largely, I've, I've heard clearly from my local government colleagues on the southern Gulf Islands, right here on Salt Spring, the impact that short-term vacation rentals has had on the long-term uh, rental market. And um, there's no licensing or regulation or registry of short-term vacation rentals. I mean, this is one of the things about these disruptive platforms, uh, digital platforms, is was to take an unregulated uh, part of the market and to disrupt it. And that was the intention behind it. And you know, companies uh, that, that run these short-term vacation rental platforms have scraped, you know, billions of dollars, uh, uh, you know, uh, out of the the uh, the short-term uh, rental marketplace, which is largely just hotels and bed and breakfasts and and small inns. And so, what we were calling on the provincial government to do this week was to create a licensing scheme and to ensure that um, all short-term vacation rentals. Uh, uh, are licensed and uh, to work with the platforms uh, to ensure that we understand what that uh, uh, the scale and scope of the issue actually is and it will help us in making decisions about supply uh, for housing uh, and other aspects of of the housing crisis that we're facing. Right so there's a, obviously uh, Airbnb and various other platforms um, that, that people use to, f to find vacation rentals and as I understand it, the provincial government gets a slice of of tax from them um, because the hotel people got upset that they they basically were being undercut by by these people. Um, but you you want to set up a registry? Is that would that be fair to say um, people would actually register their their B and Bs or whatever they whatever they're calling them and and get a license from the provincial government? Uh, to operate yeah and then the platforms in order to be able to promote them uh, would have to require uh, that registry number and that license in order for them to be valid uh, on uh, let's use the example of and, and um, the islands trustee Laura Patrick was on CBC talking about the the current regulatory regime uh, on the southern Gulf Islands and that is that there is no allowance for short-term vacation rentals yet if you go onto the platforms you can see that there are many um, locations across the southern gulf islands including salt spring uh, where you can get an airbnb or a, um, 
you know, a, a, a unit off of another platform. And so despite the fact that it's not allowed, the uh, platforms continue to promote these units. And so what we're suggesting is that if you put a licensing regime in place and you have a registry number and then you require by law the the platforms to only be allowed only be able to promote uh, units that have both of those in place, then um, uh, we don't have you know we're starting to deal with the proliferation of, of and the transformation of long-term rentals to short-term vacation rentals. Right, and is is the next move after that then in some way uh, prohibiting them and trying to get them to be converted into into long-term rentals or no I, I think that first of all what it is is to it's it's to make sure that there's uh, licensing and and you know I think for occupant safety also for the people who are operating these units f for their safety as well making sure that there's an ability to uh, to recognize the situation that currently exists uh, you know I, I think that there is going to need to be a certain number of units that are available as short-term vacation rentals and those will continue those some of those units might also go into long term i think part of the challenge and we talked about this at the uh ask salt spring part of the challenge that we're facing right now is that we're building supply but the provincial government uh you know it was evidenced in the conversation that i had with the minister of housing uh, a couple of weeks ago isn't even clear about what the scale and scope of the issue is um, when we asked about what the uh, housing stock in BC look like. Um, the minister claimed that they collect the data, but they don't bring the data together and, and create a, a solid picture uh, of, of, of it. So we're building supply and it's just supply. It's not necessarily targeted to the uh, housing needs assessments that the municipalities are creating, that the, the provincial government has created the Housing Supply Act, uh, which is I, I intended, I guess, to to deal with that, although we haven't seen it uh, put in place yet. So it's an incredibly complex issue, and I think we start with having to understand what the scale and scope of it is by putting the data together, and then we can start to make policies that are targeted to creating the kind of supply that's needed in communities. You know, we, we know in Salt Spring, for example, that creating workforce housing or you know, making sure that some of the supply that exists is there for, for workforce is absolutely necessary. We also know that there's other types of housing that that are not. We don't need more of. So, it's a, it's a matter of being able to target and identify what the problem is, and then create policy that then works towards finding a solution for that. Yeah. Now, now this, as part of this licensing, would there be inspections as well? Then would you have to have a a newly a new body to go around and inspect uh, Airbnbs or whatever? No, I think that I mean. The, the way we foresee it is that uh, currently right now it's it's largely up to local governments to do to do that end of it but they don't have access like there, there's no good there's no access of the inf sorry there's no information for the provincial government but there's also no way for the um, the local governments to really understand uh, what that landscape is either so currently right now it's up to local governments um, but the tools that we've created at the provincial government don't really help. It's basically just we've downloaded the problem onto local governments. I think what we're suggesting is it's still an acceptable place for this to be reg or for this to be in enforced or for the local governments to work with those people who are providing these units. Uh, however, we need to, at the provincial government, be giving them the, 
the tools that they can that are useful to them to be able to um, to do the work that's needed. Yeah. Now I know that when they were discussing the the bylaw at the Islands Trust, uh, that which was going to allow cottages on on certain properties in different parts of of uh, Salt Spring, that um, the Islands Trust admitted that they had no idea how many cottages there actually are in existence on on Salt Spring. But you would think it wouldn't be that difficult to for somebody to to go around and have a look, you know, and perhaps uh, perhaps count some of them up. Uh, but they don't seem to be able to do that. Well, the housing needs assessment uh, of the, in each community that, that the provincial government is now requiring communities to uh, to produce, and some of them were produced in, in partnership with the regional district. Some of them were produced by each municipality in areas that are unincorporated, in areas that are connected to regional districts. It's largely um, a more broad uh, view. But I, I would say that there is a fairly decent understanding of... of um, yeah, I think the, the municipalities and the, the local governments say more broadly, because not, well, Salt Springs unincorporated, so the, yeah. the local governments uh, have a general idea. I think one of the things that, you know, I've heard um, repeated is that, you know, th- this idea that increasing the number of, of suites or increasing the number of cottages that are available without having the regulations for short-term vacation rentals in place just puts more potentially more units into short-term vacation rentals. So what that has identified is that all of these policies necessarily need to be part of the same framework. We can't, you know, Mm. uh, and one of the real challenges that I faced uh, with our current provincial government is that uh, they've put bits and pieces out and it doesn't really feel like in any way that their their policy measures are coordinated. Uh, At least we haven't seen how they're being coordinated uh, on the ground yet. It, It feels like uh, sort of a flurry of actions that are, are um, attempting to deal with uh, a shortage of housing and a housing supply issue um, while looking to the same market that has created a lot of the conditions that we're in to solve it. And, and um, you know, we've been now dealing with this for the last six years. The government's taken some fairly strong demand-side measures. They're now putting a considerable amount of money investing in supply-side measures. Uh, and the number of people that are moving to British Columbia continue to increase at uh, at a rate higher than the number of units that we're building. Um, we're still looking at housing as a you know as commodified units, economic units, rather than as places where people can create security and and create like a you know a a, a secure place to build their lives from. Uh, and so we're looking at housing as economic units rather than as you know, interestingly enough, the government's recent plan that they announced, I, I guess a couple of weeks ago, is called Homes for People. But yet, at underlying that Homes for People plan, as they call it, is uh, the economics of housing. And they've largely not um, uh, looked at that or addressed it. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see over the coming weeks and months how it uh, translates on the ground to creating uh, more secure homes for people. Now, one of the, the themes that seems to arise all the time with regards to um, the question of, of long-term rentals versus short-term rentals is that the Residential Tenancy Act seems to be skewed in the favor of the tenant and not the landlord, and that landlords who've had bad experiences with, with bad tenants have had difficulty in ejecting them or whatever because of the way that the 
the act is uh, is written, and that um, people are unwilling to take the risk of renting long term because of the danger of of getting a bad tenant and not being able to to deal with that. Is there also a, a move afoot to perhaps uh, make it more fair or more easy for for landlords? Do you think uh, in the future? That certainly is what I've heard on Salt Spring time and again. That that's one of the reasons that people aren't, aren't doing it. You know? Well, I've I've certainly uh, heard that uh, as well, and not just on Salt Spring. I've heard it, uh, you know, across the riding, and and uh, indeed I've heard it across the the province. Uh, you know, I think that um, one of the one of the ways that I think short term vacation rentals, those platforms, have impacted the psychology around this, is that. If you're looking at how easy it is to get somebody out of your unit, out, out of your housing unit, it's much easier to get someone out of a short-term vacation rental right. <laughs> than it is out of a long-term rental, right? right? And yeah. so I think that that needs to be put into it is that part of the psychology around this is that if, if, if that's what the focus is. Now, I don't want to suggest, I, don't, I do not want to leave it here because I, I'm not going to suggest that everything that I've heard from people is, is that, you know, they're, they're picking one over the other because of that. I've certainly heard challenges. I've certainly heard that uh, some of the challenges around rent caps and making sure that the units can remain updated and, and, you know, people can invest in those properties. And uh, I've, I've heard all of this. I think that um, there is no doubt that changes that have been made under this BCNDP government have, have strengthened the security for renters and this is when i was a part of the rental housing task force and we hosted a meeting here in 2018 i think as part of that uh, provincial tour that we went on uh, one of the fundamental things that we were trying to always balance is the impact on both the renter and the landlord and you know i, I remember saying uh, in a radio interview that one of the things that i know about this for sure is that Every landlord needs a tenant, and every tenant needs a landlord. And that's part of the relationship. And balancing this relationship is incredibly challenging because the um, you know the p- people have a right to housing, and people have a right to security in their homes, and we want to achieve that as much as possible. And also, when especially when you're looking at the secondary rental market, those are houses that people have made an investment in. And so, how do you balance those those interests? Is very very challenging and it's one that i think no matter what a government does to tinker with those rules is going to be seen on one side of this as as imbalancing it i'd say that one of the measures that was put into place that um i haven't really seen uh, to the level that i would like is is uh the registry of of people who are seen as bad landlords or bad tenants and, and making sure that the provincial government the, the enforcement arm of this that has been put in place to try to balance this, um, you know, I don't think has got to the level that uh, that we initially expected when it was announced back in 2018 or 2019. So, you know, I think I think this was this was the key challenge that we had in that committee and it remain or that task force, I should say, and it remains to be one of the challenges. And with every time the government makes a change, uh, it creates uh, or at least it it highlights the imbalance that exists and we'll be consistently struggling with this and i think that the the key is to recognize that uh, a a stable society houses its people well and uh, we have a responsibility for that and we also have to recognize 
that the people who have made the investments and who own those homes um, also need to be uh, definitely acknowledged in that or else they'll make decisions as well. And we can see that the decisions that have been made, um, you know, sometimes are to take their their house off of the rental, out of the rental market. And that has disastrous effects on, you know, where the teachers live and where the police live and where the nurses and doctors live and, you know, where the frontline workers live in a community. And, and uh, that can cause, um, you know, other economic pains elsewhere. Now, just to get back to where we started on the uh, the idea of um, of licensing, uh, I guess, um, short-term vacation rentals, are you getting any feedback from the government side as to whether they think that's something they'd be interested in doing, or where would where would it go from here? Well, we know that uh, we know that the provincial government, I believe, it's in the mandate of the housing minister. Um, we know that the government has received this advice. Like the BC Greens didn't come up with this necessarily. We recognize that technical work by the Union of BC Municipalities has been done. We recognize that the provincial government, you know, uh, started down the path by taxing uh, short-term vacation rentals back in 2018, and the the market has changed substantively. And and indeed, we know that the provincial government has been looking at this. Our goal here was to expedite that discussion. We have yet another. Uh, summer being passed here on on Salt Spring Island, uh, certainly on the tourism side of it, that's going to mean that there's going to be a bunch more people that can come here and stay. But we also know on the tourism side of it that those people, when they get here, might not get the level of services that they would expect in a community because the workforce doesn't have a place to live. So this is where the balance comes into play in the community. And, and it's not just the visitors that don't have uh, support from the workers, but it's the it's the year-round residents that live here that when they show up to the hospital there's only one nurse on or when they show up you know when they when they call the RCMP it takes a while because you know they're short-staffed so you know I think that the reality of it is is that it impacts the quality of life in the community uh, both for the tourist and and year-round and so uh, you know I think that's part of what we're trying to address here and 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 the, the short answer to your question we know the government's working on this uh, legislation. We want the government to get on with it and get it on the table for us to debate. And unfortunately, we now get to the end of this spring session, and we don't have it to debate. And so we're only assuming that it's going to come in the fall, which is one summer too late. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much for coming in and and chatting to us uh, about uh, the housing crisis, really, which we have on Salt Spring. Yeah. There's nothing easy about this this issue. There's, uh, you know, in addition to. The, the issues that are being faced right now, there's, uh, you know, I think um, the, the issues in communities surrounding the southern Gulf Islands are impacting it as well. And so how this all fits together is very, very challenging. And we'll continue to push government, we'll continue to ask questions, and we'll continue to put ideas like we did with this one, ideas that are not new, but use the position that we have in the legislature as advocates to try to elevate these issues on the agenda that's part of our role in opposition. It's not just to tell the government that they're always doing a bad job. That's the role of opposition to criticize the and to test the public policy. It's also the role of the opposition to propose ideas and to create, you know, tension on these ideas to get the government to move them forward. And that's what we're doing here. Right. Okay, thanks very much. Yeah, awesome. Thank you.